Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Slipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson, and um, bullpens. Bullpens kind of suck, huh? Oh, yeah. Man. It happens. But I don't want to. We shouldn't belabor the point because the Mets overall looked good. Jeff McNeil looks fixed. Starling Marte is fun. Canna looks good. Yeah, Canna looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. Carrasco looked good. My bold prediction about Carrasco being really good again. Uh, making, feeling good about that one. Um, and then they just throw this by. It just look. We knew this was what Buck was going to be. He's going to give good interviews. He's going to. You're going to love him whenever you're not thinking about his on-field decisions, and then he's going to make some on-field decisions, and you're going to want to throw yourself out a window. So, about, <laughs> good. about good thing where we are right now. Oh, good. Well, all right, so. Promote extend trade. This will really get the the blood flowing here. Then this one uh-huh. today is apparently the most boring day in the 20th century. Uh, Ten years ago, about a computer programmer, he coded a program to sift through news articles, and he determined that absolutely nothing noteworthy happened on April 11th, 1954. So isn't it was, this a bit of a paradox? Right, you're like by by writing this. 
it's now more interesting. <laughs> right. So, but apparently it's it, it's still. I mean, you know, people were born, people died, but nobody of any relevance. So things happen. Unless now, years from now, this is like the the pivotal moment of something. I don't know yeah. what. It's such a boring day that it's no longer boring. Right. But anyway, so what boring pictures are we going to promote extended trade here? And I was racking my brain, and I could only come up with two of them. So we have uh, two choices from hell, Steve Traxel and Daisuke. Who would you rather see pitch? Throw in Dylan G. Why not? When I think of a boring <laughs> pitcher, I think of Dylan G. Yeah, that's that is true. He he was just kind of. The, I mean, there's there's been a bunch of like pitches that it just you know they don't give particularly good interviews. They're just kind of there. The numbers don't really pop out at you. Like they're boring in that regard, sure. Anyway, I'm trading I'm trading Steve Traxel into the sun because I prefer games that don't last for seven hours. Of course. Yeah, it's one thing to be boring, but like boring and work at a snail's pace is a lot. Which was Daisuke too, to be fair. As, as right. I'm... I mean, Daisuke had like more intrigue to him than than uh, uh, Traxel at least. It's like, oh, oh cool! It's Daisuke. This is this is fun, and and it wasn't actually that fun, but it was still Daisuke. Like I would say, I'm probably promote or um promoting Daisuke just because like he was good. We didn't get good Daisuke as Mets fans, but, mm. like, he was a good pitcher in the majors, and he was more fun than that. We just didn't see it in New York because he was old by that point. At least there's some interesting backstory regarding Daisuke. Steve Traxel, not so much. I have no... Dylan G is literally the uh, neutral guy from Futurama. I have no strong feelings <laughs> yes. one way or the other. Way... Dylan G is pitching. It's a beige alert. <laughs> he just reminds me of, like, a very drab time of Mets land. One-time opening day starter, Dylan G. Which is hey, funny. There was, there was that, that's, what was it, like a 17-inning stretch at the end of some year? He did good. Mm-hmm. Did they yeah. trade him, or did he leave in free agency? I can't remember. Pretty sure free agency, but, yeah, I'm not really sure. Who would trade for him? That's the question. I know he signed, I know he wound up with the Royals. Yes. Oh, Dylan. That's such a Royals player. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes. Just the most boring stuff in the world. Let's see. Uh Uh-huh. October 7th, 2015, G opted out of his contract. Oh, here we go. So he returned. He had a groin strain in 2015, and Thor replaced him. And then they planned to go to a six-man rotation. He sucked. They put him in the bullpen. He bitched about it. They sent him to AAA. And then he opted out of his contract because um, he was bad and then signed a minor league deal with the Royals and never really seems to have done much of note again. Hmm. I do not recall any of that. Interesting. I don't remember him. So I, you would think we'd remember him throwing a hissy fit. Mm-hmm. Right, but I don't. Yeah, I feel like I'd remember that. <laughs> Apparently, he did. I, wow. So he is literally so boring that it's like it leeches information from your brain. So maybe we, maybe we should extend him. I, a frustrated G told the media, "I'm almost at the point now where I just don't care anymore. I mean, I'm kind of just over it all." He was designated for the for assignment by the Mets on June 15th and sent to the 51s. 
Damn, that's Damn. like upset, upset. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had an ERA of almost six. <laughs> and he's complaining about being in the bullpen. Fuck off. <laughs> well, Look, I understand players have their preferences, but sometimes they're so delusional about the quality of their own performance and it drives me mental. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. All right, well, move on to something a little more uplifting maybe then. Then Dylan G's career history? Yeah, yeah. Way too early draft updates. So my guy, Chase DeLauder, uh, James Madison played the Virginia Military Institute midweek, and DeLauder went three for four in that game with a double, two homers, and a walk. And then he played two games over the weekend against the College of Charleston. And in those two games, he went four for eight with a double, a triple, three walks. So all in all, he is now hitting 437, 576, 828 with eight doubles, a triple, eight homers, 10 stolen bases, 28 walks, and 21 strikeouts. Mm. And as Lucas pointed out last week, Baseball America released a second mock draft. We will talk about more uh, in a little bit. But uh, they have him uh, falling to the Mets at 14 after originally mocking him to the Twins um, at 8 on account of just other players getting helium and moving up and then some lingering concerns about his performance uh, against those two elite left-handed pitchers from FSU. Literally, I think the first... uh, it was literally the first series yeah. of the season. Yeah, so. Hey, look, if that's going to drop him, I'm fine with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Everything's coming up Millhouse, man. I also know you said a lot of other stuff there, Steve, but all because my brain is broken. When you said Charleston, all I could think was Nixon yelling, "This, these stats are brought to you by the great taste of Charleston Chew. <laughs> I mean, maybe the College of Charleston is sponsored by Charleston Chew. Are they run by Nixon's head in a jar? I've never been there, so I cannot confirm, but maybe. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. How are Brock Porter and Dylan Beavers doing? So Beavers, uh, he seems like he's getting, he goes, good week, bad week, good week, bad week. He had another good week, four for nine with six walks and only two strikeouts. He had a home run in there, too. Back up to 283, 392, 624 on the season. It's basically going to be what he is. He hits for power. He takes his walks. He strikes out maybe a little bit more than you want to, uh, wanted him to average in the 280 to 290 range and an OPS just over a thousand. It's a really nice college bat. Um, still a little worried about the contact against lefties. Um, I think the power is real. I saw like one tweet wondering whether the power would translate and I don't really have any doubt about that I really like the swing I just worry about his ability to make contact so stock's still steady um on that front Porter I have no major updates since last week last week when uh he threw a no-hitter in one of his first appearances of the season uh the slider seems to have taken a jump which is really exciting uh changeup still looks elite fastball velocity touching 98 sitting in 92 to 95. It's what a first-round prep uh, uh, right-hander looks like. But instead of a big breaking ball, he has a change-up, and that, to me, is more intriguing than the average uh, arm in that department. Um, Though I will say, uh, tagging on to Steve's teaser from earlier, there's another 
I mean, obviously there's Dylan Lesko, but there's another high school arm who has jumped Porter for me, and we'll talk about him in a moment too. But still, still sitting in that teen to twenty range for Porter, I think. Mm. All right, and Thomas, how about uh, Gavin Cross and Brandon Barriero? I'll start with uh, Gavin Cross because he had a hell of a week. Um, it was highlighted by a game yesterday where he went four for four with two home runs and five RBI in a twenty-one to ten win over. Um, <laughs> twenty-one to ten. Yes. <laughs> they scored nice. 11 runs in the one, two, three, seventh inning. So Jesus Christ! Yeah, it, it it went well for Virginia Tech this week. He is now hitting uh, .355, .439, .692 on the season. So we're getting to maybe he doesn't even reach the Mets territory, even though it, it might be one of those profiles that drops a little bit because it's going to be a corner outfielder, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. a Schwarber Conforto type thing. Because I think of those guys as. They fell just because you don't have the positional versatility with them, even though obviously they could hit. They're just um, fall back if they don't hit, basically. Yeah, exactly. If they don't, then it's that's it. But when you hit 355 in college, it's gonna you're gonna play. I think um, he's what he's walked 13 times and only struck out 10 in 123 plate appearances this year. So he's just literally hitting the ball every time he's up, which is pretty funny. But um, yeah, I mean you can't really complain about that. And um, Barea was – he got lit up for the first time this year um, against um, Archbishop McCarthy. He gave up um, quite a few runs. They Literally, the up, Archbishop came out and <laughs> started hitting dingers off him. It's a little concerning about his draft profile. <laughs> he only struck out four and in three innings and had a 14 ERA So and, and that <laughs> outed. So it wasn't great. Um, but also, like, that's the first time he's been lit up really all year. He – um. He faced IMG early in the season and gave up and wasn't great, but also that's IMG and that happens. Uh, I'm not necessarily worried. I think it's just one of those things where sometimes you have a bad night, even if you're really good. And these, like the competition he's playing is still really good high school level competition. Like a lot of these guys will be D1 or D2 athletes or play college ball, even if they don't go professional. Like it's not like he's in a really bad state for baseball. Like Florida is a very good high school state, as we all know. So I'm not necessarily worried. It's just one of those things. It, it was a bad week for him. I don't think it tells his story, but. Uh, it happens. We all have good weeks. We all have bad weeks, like you said. Yep. So, yes, as we're starting to say, Baseball America has a second mock draft. And I believe Lucas is very excited to talk about a uh, <laughs> tall, tall, lanky left-hander. Yeah, so the uh, the other... When we started, when we came into this uh, season, there were the prep board kind of looked like Lesko above and beyond as like the best prep pitching prospect in two decades, maybe. Um, but then it was kind of a mix of Porter and Jackson Ferris, and then behind that there was Brandon Barriera and another guy, Noah Schultz. So Noah Schultz is a uh, six foot ten left-hander from Illinois. If you want a body type and kind of motion comparison, think Randy Johnson. No, I'm not saying he's Randy Johnson. I'm saying <laughs> the body looks like Randy Johnson. I'm not comping him to Randy Johnson. Uh, but the stuff has been real impressive. Like, it's taken a jump this spring. He's pitching 93 to 98. His command is shockingly good, not just for a high school arm, but especially for an, a high school arm with levers that long. Um and there's some, like, 
looked, are his secondaries as good or polished as Porter's? Maybe not, but they're not bad. And when you're working with that kind of frame and that kind of lefty velocity, that's super exciting. Um, so the new BA mock had the Mets taking Schultz at 11, which I'm absolutely all the way in on. If it was Porter, I'd be pretty excited too. Um, and then at 14, they're taking Steve's guy, Chase DeLauder, who I'm also big on because I love the high, uh, small college bat profile. Let's see. Who is Schultz committed to? I he has a commitment to, to Vanderbilt. 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 Yeah. Mm. So they're going to have to pay him, which they have an extra pick. Look, if they have to, if they spend their money, to buy Schultz out of his commitment to Vanderbilt at 11 and then also pay DeLauder at 14, and then they go underslot at whatever the comp pick they get for Syndergaard is, I do not care. Like, that's a fantastic outcome. Yeah, that's fine. I'm pretty sure DeLauder, for, I mean, this is all depending on what the pro looks look like, but right now, if you just slotted those guys into the system, i probably have... That's like two and three. Three and four. Three and four, I think. Yeah, three and four. Yeah, I think three and I, four. I think it'll be real hard to over to uh, take out Beatty or Alvarez. No, yeah, that's one, not two, gonna happen. But, I mean, Beatty like, and Alvarez just, are probably top that, twenty prospects. Yeah, that's that. That's hard for me to argue. But after that, I'm all. You could tell me whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Allen was healthy, I would argue, but Allen's not. They traded and again. He probably doesn't pitch this year, Allen. So it's hard for me to. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone was a bigger fan of Vientos, maybe they make an argument for them. But I think I'd rather have uh, both these guys. Um, also, assuming he doesn't graduate and/or get traded. Yep. Mm. Yep. I mean, like maybe there's an, the argument for Lee and Vientos would be proximity based, which would be fair. But I think I'd still take the water and Schultz over them. I mean, this that would that would be a super exciting. I'd be running laps around my room if that was the uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, draft. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, last time we were running laps after uh, a draft, uh, it didn't work out too well. Hi. Not that I'm doing I told you so, but I was not as excited about that pick because I wanted house. But yeah. I mean, it's it's more that they fucked up the signing, not really the yeah, draft. Yeah, you know? just the whole thing. We don't need to protect ourselves. Why would we do that? That's like that, that, that annoys me more than the than the, I don't want to rehash this again. But like, guys, come on, that's like. <laughs> That's like stuff I do in a video game. Like, why are we not protecting ourselves against? I do that in out of the park baseball. I protect myself when I take the guy who has impossible to sign. Like, I just draft someone else later. If you're not going to protect yourself, you have to be sure of the medicals. And if you're not going to protect yourself and you weren't sure of the medicals, you cannot then not sign him and fuck your whole free agent. And they did an okay job, even despite that. But still. So what you're saying is, if you're not sure about the medicals, always use protection. Yes, God. Steve. <laughs> Damn it. Ugh. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So we finally have some live baseball. Um, very happy. Minor league season started for Syracuse a little bit earlier in the year, and that, oh, excuse me, early in, in in the week, and then the rest of the teams, Binghamton, Brooklyn, and St. Lucie, got started on Friday. And uh, Alvarez, man, is looking good. He swings hard. He swings really, really Real- hard. Every time he takes a swing, it's like the baseball has just insulted his mother or something. It's a very violent way of playing baseball. <laughs> um, starting to get pretty excited. I mean, he fucking I mean, hey, he's hitting the fastballs. He like he's fucking just hitting them. Crushed that ball. Look, that that ball he hit out to right of center was an absolute meatball. It was like ninety three miles an hour out over the heart of the plate. He still fucking destroyed the thing. Yeah. The league's going to adjust to him, and I, I'm very curious to see how he adjusts back, but the early returns are what they are with, like, a few games in. It's very exciting. And look, he's still going to swing over a bunch of stuff. He's already swinging over a bunch of stuff. You're not going to see that on Twitter, but if you go of watch the, MI, uh, the MLB TV feed, he's swinging over some... Garbo, and that's a little concerning, but hopefully he adjusts to that. And oh man, if it works, and oof. yeah, that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It's early in his. He's he's a kid still. Like that's easy to forget with how he's already in Double A and stuff. But he's nineteen, twenty. You know, I don't know if he turned twenty yet. I can't remember. He's but, twenty um, now. Mm-hmm. He he turned twenty. So like still like he just turned twenty. You know, like that's a literal. That's a conversation. Like is he nineteen or twenty? So when you're Where that young you- in Double A. Where did you guys want them to start him this year? I think they did right. Yeah, him in Interesting. Okay. I was I just, I, it's too it's too low otherwise, I think. He only I hit two forty seven in, in Brooklyn though, like No yeah. He didn't destroy Brooklyn, but I was okay with the with the aggressiveness of double mm-hmm. A because I don't think it's necessarily harmful if he has like a really rough month to send him down and send him back up, but mm-hmm. I also think they just want to see what it what it's at. Because if he hits a double A this year, then all of a sudden he's hitting a triple A next year, and you get to start talking about him making his debut. You know, like you have to see where that stuff's at too. Mm-hmm. All right, so let, let's get into a little uh, conversation about all of the teams now. So, uh, Syracuse, we'll start with them since they're the top. Currently, they are 1-4. Uh, as a little reminder, Syracuse, they play in the International League East. They finally got rid of those stupid naming conventions that they were using last the East, year. East, Southwest by North, mm-hmm. West, 20 Degrees League. <laughs> so, uh, they are in the International League East, along with the Rochester Red Wings, the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, the Worcester Red Sox, Buffalo Bisons, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, Norfolk Tides, Charlotte Knights, Durham Bulls, and Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. 
Uh, Syracuse. The jumbo, excuse me, the jumbo shrimp? The jumbo shrimp, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there was a team called the Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> You're not going to have Little Shrimp. You're going to have Jumbo Shrimp, of course. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> they would they would fit better in the Eastern League. Yeah, but, you got to put them in the same league with the Blue Claws, right? And you just you, let's get a Crustacean League going. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, Syracuse, they were 50 and 75 last year. Not good. Uh, but a lot of that was, you know, all the call-ups and, and everything from the Mets having all those injuries. Um, this year, I think that they will be a much better team than a 50 and 75 team. Offense looks pretty solid, and, and then it's only going to get better as the year goes on when some of those guys from Binghamton get promoted. Um, most likely, and most notably, Brett Beatty and Jake Mangum. Conceivably, Alvarez could. Um, conceivably, you know, Ronnie Mauricio could. But I don't think that it's very likely. Like we were just saying, you know, they are still young. Uh, they didn't exactly demolish single A, uh, excuse me, high A. Don't need to rush them, even if they're doing well. So, um, infield. Mark Vientos, Travis Blankenhorn, in terms of, you know, notable guys in the outfield, Nick Plummer, Khalil Lee, mix a couple of, you know, complimentary vets that they have on the roster. That's a team capable of putting up some big numbers. Pitching, on the other hand, though, not so good. Uh, pitching in the, in the upper minors for the Mets has been bad in the last couple of years. Like we were just saying, you know, you had Allen, but he's no longer, uh, Available this year, most likely. JT Ginn would have been around here somewhere, and he got traded. Not a lot Adam of Adam Mahler would have started in Syracuse. Right, right, right. Adam Mahler also traded. So pitching is granted. Chris Bassett's very good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. yeah. No, no, no. Not. Uh, not. I mean, uh, you would have had. Uh, we, that. we would have. We were penciling in like Peterson and McGill and Yamamoto in there too, and now. Peterson's on the active roster because Edwin Diaz is in because uh, he has a bereavement leave. Uh, mm-hmm. McGill's in the ro- was the opening day starter because Jacob Degrom is hurt again, and Jordan Yamamoto's shoulder is so borked that they just DFA'd him. Yeah, so basically the only pitchers in Syracuse that are either prospects or, or players worth paying attention to, whatever you want to you know term you want to use, are Thomas Zipucky and Eric Orzi. Uh, Josh Walker, he's, he's assigned to Syracuse, but he's hurt right now. He's on the DL. And, yeah. Nothing yeah, against. probably going to be up. Like, yeah. Orsi, I doubt, is spends the entire year in AAA. He's probably going to be a shuttle guy for them. So, like, if we're looking at it from, from the minor league side of things, it's going to be, they're going to be losing probably their best, their highest leverage reliever, like, mm-hmm. for in admitted periods throughout the season, too. So it's just not good. So let's hope that that offense really mashes because otherwise, uh. And the bullpen has already been a freaking disaster. Um, yeah. I do not understand why they claimed Juan Lopez. Mm-hmm. Anyone else mm-hmm. get that? Uh, he's been Lopez? claimed like 800 times, right? This, I yeah, this yeah. offseason. I don't. He's bad? There's got to be something that's getting pinged in analytics departments, right? Because like, yeah. that's like five teams now. And like they can be a pain, <laughs> like other teams. I, I don't know what it is because I think he's bad too. But 
They truly don't oh, understand it. Didn't they also assign former top 100 prospect Adonis Medina to AAA, too? Yes. They traded for him. They signed him to AAA, right? They got him for cash? Yes, yes, yes. And put him in. That's a fun one, just because Sure. Hey, he used to be a top prospect. Let's see what he got in the tank. How old is Adonis Medina? He's 25. Joan Lopez is like 32. (laughs) Is he really? No, he's twenty. He's that old? I'm, I'm overexcited. He's twenty. Oh, okay. I mean, still, still like, even twenty. I'd rather like I'm... roll the dice on. Oh my god, Juan Lopez has four big league seasons, a hundred innings across them, and has been worth negative point seven F WAR. Yeah, his best season was his first season, where he was worth zero. That's why, why are we claiming this guy? I don't know. He's gonna get DFA'd and claimed in like a month and a half when some guy gets hurt. Yep. All right, next now are the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Uh, they're currently 1 and 2. They're back in the Eastern League, and they're going to be playing against the Somerset Patriots, the Hartford Yard Goats, New Hampshire Fisher Cats, Portland Sea Dogs, and Reading Fighting Phils in the Eastern League Northeast Division. Uh, as we mentioned, Beatty is in Binghamton, Alvarez is in Binghamton, Mauricio is in Binghamton, and like we saw with the three of them last year in Brooklyn, all those guys can, you know, single-handedly be difference makers when they're on. Mm. Um, Alvarez, you know, he is he is on right now. The rest of the offense is a little questionable. I mean, Beatty uh, hit that oppo, oppo shot and yanked a double, so I think Beatty's on too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's also, we're, we're talking about literally like three games. Mm-hmm. Um, Janushwi Fargus, he's in Binghamton because I, reasons, I guess, just because of a crowded outfield in Syracuse. Got to get yeah, Carlos Cortez going. Yeah. But, uh, actually, no, Carlos Cortez is his second baseman again now. Oh, right, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't think that they would do, oh, but I don't know. But, yeah, Fargus, he's in double-A... Uh, you know, obviously he's there, but I feel like we can't really count him because he's played in the major leagues. He's obviously better than Syracuse. I mean, he's better than Binghamton, so, you know, kind of just doesn't fit our purposes here. But um, they have Hayden Sanger. They have Jake Mangum. Both those guys are kind of in the same boat. You know, they're guys that had good seasons last year with the bat, and they're not really known for that. They're really known as being more defense-oriented players, so... We're not fully sure if they're going to be able to put up similar similar numbers on last year, so they're not exactly sure things. And then everyone else is just kind of filler. Um, pitching, yeah. pitching like Syracuse, not great. Uh, Jose Budo is the only guy with you know a potential future, and you know he's a kind of flawed player. And the bullpen is actually kind of interesting. Um, just because they're also flawed. <laughs> I mean, the the best bullpen pitchers that they have are Brian Matwire, Bryce Montes de Oca, and Michael Otanez. and they're just all zero command amongst yeah. Them. yeah it's like they all they all have one super overpowering pitcher. Matwire has the curveball. De Oca and Otanez they throw a hundred, but nobody knows where anything's going. So 
the Nationals bullpen, but better because they have interesting pitches. Right. Yeah. There you go. I mean, sometimes you know, in time, times last year in Brooklyn, all and any or all those guys, you know, looked solid and did individual outings. And then there were times when, by pitch six or seven, you wanted to see them gone already because they just didn't have it, and you could see that. Um, so you know, we'll see. Montez to Oka, if he's if he's on if he gets on a little run, they should push him up to the majors like ASAP because there's probably limited bullets in that arm, and if he has even a little bit of command, it's probably useful. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's, that he's going to have that little bit of command though. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Like I remember how how hyped he was in like twenty like fifteen or twenty. Has he been around that long? Yeah, like in high school, and then he went to college, and then it was obviously. He just kept getting hurt, not knowing where the ball was going. Like, that's his whole... As Um, long as Beatty and Alvarez are on that team, though, that'll be fun. Yeah. And Mauricio. Show Mauricio some love. Do I have to? You do. Uh, Next up, the Brooklyn Cyclones. And they are one and two as well. And they are now members of the South Atlantic League Northern Division. Uh, the division includes the Hudson Valley Renegades, Aberdeen Ironbirds, Wilmington Blue Rocks, and Jersey Shore Blue Claws, all of whom are above the Mason-Dixon line except the Ironbirds, so South Atlantic League, whatever. Huge New York Penn League energy. Yeah. From that. I will miss the high A East Northeast, though, which is oh their former. <laughs> Just brutal. Just who who in the marketing department thought that was acceptable? Who okay uh, this? I don't know. I don't so know, bad. Man. Uh, but yeah, the Mets have a history of you know padding the Cyclones roster back in the day when they were a short season team, and you know some some top prospects from the draft or college guys from tough divisions. Maybe they could have been pushed a little more, but they weren't because you know Brooklyn and seats and concessions and great, but. Not this year. No. <laughs> Brooklyn Brooklyn must win, baby. <laughs> Not this year. Uh, yeah. The offense, it has some names. Jalen Palmer, Wilmer Reyes, Jose Peroza, a uh, bunch of 2021 draftees, but like they're not names that pop out at you. Uh, Jalen Palmer, he's the highest-ranked prospect of all of those guys. We had him ranked 10 overall coming into the season, but he has a lot of question marks around him. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, I don't know. The only other interesting guy on that roster, for reasons completely unrelated to baseball, would be Joe Swazi because his dad is running for governor, Tom Swazi, and we know that the Wilpons made all kinds of uh, sizable donations to him back in the day, and we know that Steve Cohen likes to uh, play around with the politicians. So totally no, no connection between a. Oh well, you know, you know the 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 vaccine ban got lifted, and in a totally underrelated news, Steve Cohen gave one and a half million dollars to Eric Adams. You know exactly. To, no, no connection whatsoever. It happens. I was looking. I I, I couldn't see any recent like all the data for uh, campaign contributions was from 2021. So nothing from Steve Cohen to Tom Swazi yet, but we'll see. Uh, pitching wise. 
all those 2021 college pitchers that I thought, some of us thought were going to be sent to Brooklyn and just dominate there, well, they're not there. I'm sure eventually this season they're going to wind up there, but none of them are starting on Brooklyn. So really the most notable pitchers that the Cyclones have right now, Junior Santos, Garrison Bryant, uh, Dyson Acosta, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery. There's potential with those guys, particularly in Santos's case and Acosta's case, but you know it, it's really going to be a crapshoot as to whether or not any of those guys actually pitch well and tap into that potential. So we're looking at a uh, pretty rough season for Brooklyn, possibly. I feel like they're going to be more interesting in like two months. Oh yeah, or maybe, maybe like. Once the guys who we're about to talk about at St. Lucie get called up and they start pitching there, then it'll be a lot more interesting. But right now, to start, it's just going to be a very boring Brooklyn team. Just not much to... Jalen Palmer's interesting, and I want to keep an eye on him. But other than that, it's like... Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a weird middle ground in the system where the top guys are too advanced and the bottom guys aren't really there yet. The, the young guys aren't there for Brooklyn yet, so... Mm. Honestly, I feel like the the most noteworthy and interesting development of the the beginning of the seasons for the Cyclones is that King Henry is back after uh, being let go. After losing his crown? Yeah, Mm. he lost his crown, but now it's back. Last but not least, certainly not least, are the St. Lucie Mets. And they are 2-0 and... By the time this uh, gets posted tomorrow, maybe it'll be three and zero. Maybe it'll be two and one. They are weirdly playing a late afternoon game on Sunday, so uh, they're back in the Florida State League, and they will be playing primarily against the Jupiter Hammerheads, Palm Beach Cardinals, and the Daytona Tortugas in the East Division. And they won the division last year, but then they missed out on the playoffs on a technicality, and. At least on paper, right now, the beginning of the year, they look like a really stacked team, and you know there's a, there's a good chance that they repeat winning the division. But at the same time, you know a, a lot of the guys on well, not a lot of guys, all of the guys in the roster are so young, so they might just stink up the joint. But just all of the talent, it just kind of you see the names, and you know you immediately associate okay, best case. Um, outcomes, and you're just like, wow. Um, Shervian Newton, who somehow is still just only 22. Oh, pour one out for Shervian Newton, man. He's, How's he he's, only 22? I know, I don't know, but he's only 22, and that's really, it's not exceptionally old for the league, so he's, he's, rel- you know, he, he's age-appropriate and, and everything, but he's on the St. Lucie roster. Um, William Lugo, Stanley Consuegra, Alex Ramirez, he was uh, ranked ninth overall by us. Some p- potential names with the uh, offense, but really it's it's the uh, pitching situation that they have going on. Um, I, I would compare rosters team by team if I had more time, but I don't. But St. Lucie might have the best rotation in the entire division and maybe even the entire Florida State League. You have Dominic Hamill. You have Carson Seymour. You have Mike Vassell, three college pitchers that most of us thought would be in Brooklyn. Well, they're in St. Lucie now. Obviously, none of these guys are sure things. You know, otherwise they would have been drafted much higher than they actually were. 
but um, especially Seymour and Vasil. But with their experience in college, you know, they are advanced enough as they are to just completely dominate some of like the younger guys in the league that have never seen good secondary things before. You know, um, you could add to the mix Calvin Ziegler, uh, Josh Cornelly, you know, two solid starters. Uh, Joel Diaz, he's in extended spring training right now, and he'll make his debut with St. Lucie most likely. Well, or excuse me. He will pitch in St. Lucie, I think, most likely at some point. Probably not start. Yeah, he'll, probably, so. he'll probably start the year with the uh, GCL Mets, the, the complex Mets. I'm a, little, I'm a little shocked they sent all these college arms to St. Lucie, frankly. Yeah, I think it's for a quick stop, is my guess. Is that yeah, it? I mean, there's just so many. Uh, these are all of the guys that have experience um, starting. There's Dominic Hamill, Carson Seymour, Mike Vazel. Those are the main names. But in addition to them, you have Levi David, who started, Keyshawn Eskew, who started, and Nick Zwack, who's a starter in college. So you have six college starters, and then you add to the mix Ziegler and Corneli, both of whom should get regular starts. So there has to be, you know, some guys have to move up soon, and some guys that might have to just say, you know, I think those secondary college pitchers, Askew, David, Zwack, those guys probably will be better in the bullpen anyway in the long run. But so many pitchers here that you need to start finding regular games for them to pitch regular innings and getting the bump up to Brooklyn relatively soon is really the the best way to go. The only way to go. I really want a skew to be good just because the name be so much fun. And he has like crazy, uh, crazy mechanics. You could always appreciate guys with crazy mechanics. Look like a pre three batter minimum. I'd, I'd have shoved him in the bullpen already and be putting him in Brooklyn or putting him in, in Binghamton. Like, Nope, you're a loogie now. Mm hmm. I mean, I think, honestly, I don't have Zwack's scouting report in front of me, but David, you know, we know he's a hellacious curveball, mm-hmm. um, and that's really it. Askew, you know, he has all kinds of funk. Like, I, I get, like, yeah, you want to make guys start until they can't, but sometimes it just it's so obvious that certain guys are going to be bullpen pitchers, so you might as well just do it. And like a lot of these guys, I think you just do it now free up some room, and you can spread roster spots around. But, yeah, it's going to be a pretty good team. Should be fun. Mm-hmm. Joel Diaz's debut might be the most exciting one we get this year. Depending on who they draft, but, yeah. Do you think – so I'm wondering if, like, it's going to be less and less – well, no, I'm phrasing that incorrectly. Because the draft is later, are we going to see more and more guys that just don't play after the draft now? Um, I think pitchers, yes. Pitchers, but I think, yeah. I think the hitters will still play. Just mm-hmm. There's no reason not to have the guy hit, but mm-hmm. pitchers I probably – unless they, for some reason, didn't play a lot because wherever they played or whatever, like maybe it's a cold-weather pitcher. Maybe the dude from Illinois doesn't pitch a lot, you know? But mm-hmm. – for the most part, I I said those dudes, and there's no reason. Mm-hmm. Which just kind of suck because it always is fun to see like debuting your, your your new toy, you know. Yeah, I remember I saw Peterson debut in Brooklyn. It was like an inning, and he was like, "Oh, he's way too good for these dudes." Yeah, <laughs> like like he was very clearly like past that level already because he was 
uh, 48% like college or whatever it was. Three one-inning appearances or whatever and was pitching with like uh, uh, an, an ingrown toenail or something. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good, good times. But like that stuff's going to be gone, but I think the hitters still play just because. Yeah, it's much easier to go out every day and swing a bat. Well, actually... So sure. Assuming let's let's play let's be optimistic and say the Mets land uh, uh Schultz and, and uh Delauder Diaz's debut will be the second most exciting after Delauder yeah. in like yeah. Brooklyn. But still though, the, your point remains. That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it could be another Dominguez situation where he's not actually good and we're all sad at the end of the year. We'll see. <laughs> Way to bring it down. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I'm here for, Steve. Yep, yep. So yeah, overall, I mean, it's I feel like that that nothing has really changed which from nope. from last year. It's very weak at the top, solid in the middle, and really strong at the bottom. Yep. Hopefully, that means as the years go on, it starts to get stronger at the top when all these guys keep getting promoted. But we know that stuff happens; mm-hmm. guys fall yep. off, but also guys pop, and you never know. So. I mean, it seems like it's more than anything. This is an indicative of the Mets' problems slash one strength as an organization. I think you'd ask the people who really know; they'd say the Mets do have a not elite, but probably above average scouting department, which is why we find ourselves usually saying the low minors look quite good. And then it just there's so much attrition because they can't develop for shit in most instances, yep. right? They can't keep their pitchers healthy. They don't improve their hitters ever. Um, Pete Alonso being like, the, no, I mean, it seems to be getting better in the last couple of years, right? And I don't know how much of Mangum and Beatty's growth you want to attribute to the Mets versus them, but like, hopefully as their as the new regime works in, like this is a project that's going to take five to seven years. The the new developmental pipeline will the effects will be uh, yeah. start to be felt. It's going to be something that, unfortunately, the minors will lag behind the major league team mm-hmm. for a while. That's just that's that's life as where they're at right now. And they're going to keep the dog- guys away too. So, yeah, that too. Which I'm not complaining about, to be clear. As long as they uh, trade for good players, I'm fine with making trades. Yeah, I, I will enjoy watching Adam Aller break out for the A's, or my AL team anyway. As we mentioned before, Chris Bassett is a joy to watch. Oh my so. god, he's so much fun. Extend, please. Alright, and we'll wrap things up now with Will Pondery of the Week. And that goes to a dude by the name of Jared Sessler, who is a Republican who's running for Congress in Washington State. So on Friday, he was disappointed to learn, and he tweeted this, that, quote, Dee Snyder, the man with the perfect song written decades ago about the attack on traditional conservative American values, we're not going to take it, is riding the train in the wrong direction. How could it be that he sang for us but now fights for them? End quote. I'm so, uh, so confused. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm not sure what particular opinion uh, he saw that Snyder had that he was angry about but all right so you know the song we're not going to take no it, no right? I, I understand i understand the, the story the, the, oh, okay. the 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 thing i i, I cannot 
fathom. Oh yeah, where this this <laughs> quote is coming from? I mean, I guess he thought that that D. Snyder, who was performing in drag and you know, yeah, exactly about we're not going to take it and fighting his father in the music video, who clearly represents society. You know, that's that's championing. Man, I can't believe those punk rockers are actually out here to throw overthrow the government. Like, I know. Wow. I kind of like what what happens if he finds out about Born in the USA. You know, you're telling me you're telling me that Muse's Resistance album isn't a pro government set of songs. (laughs) This is shocking. (laughs) It's like the Trump those Trump people that were dancing to Rage Against the Machine. Uh huh. Oh yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. That, well, uh, yeah. my brain is broken by this. <laughs> like I said, I don't know, man. Uh, but if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us, uh, shoot us some emails at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there too. I'm at Steve Sleiper. Lucas is at Elflahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SedMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever your podcast from, rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.